Welcome to week number three in our series that we're calling Slaying Giants. And uh, we're really looking at some of these giants that we each and every one of us faces and, and how God wants to really bring freedom into each and every one of our lives uh, in, in these areas that we have victory and can conquer those giants. So this, that's why we call in this series Slaying Giants. Uh, Last week, or actually week number one, we looked at the giant of fear. Last week, we looked at the giant of greed. And uh, if you missed any of those, I encourage you to check those out uh, on our website or on your Valley app there. Uh, Today, we want to talk about uh, the giant of of bitterness. And next week, we're going to look at comparison. So real practical stuff, everyday living, things that challenge us, uh, that we really want to uh, walk in the freedom that God has really purchased for you and for me through Jesus' perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his uh, resurrection from the dead. Uh, Let me start off, first of all, by saying this. A big shout-out to our Poughkeepsie campus folks. Uh, We love you, our Poughkeepsie Valley family, uh, and also those joining us online. If you are in our Poughkeepsie campus, uh, every one of you receive one of these little cards uh, with a real ugly-looking monster on that. Uh, Let's go ahead and show what that is. That's Berry Bitterness uh, that we're going to be talking about during our time, and and we have something special that we're going to ask you, just real practical tools, step to do with these cards at the conclusion of the message. So just hold tight to uh, old Barry Bitterness right there, uh, that card that you have. Uh, and let me start off by, as we're talking, begin talking about Barry Bitterness, let me ask you a question. Uh, just think about this for just a minute. Answer it kind of inside uh, for a minute. Who is, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about reaching out for unchurched people, reaching those that are, don't know, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's really a heartbeat of our church So let me ask you this question, as passionate as we are about this, on an individual basis, who's the one person that you really don't want to see come to church? Who's the one person, if they walk in right now while I'm speaking, you're actually going to avoid making eye contact with them, and you're going to try to leave without crossing their path? Who's that one person? Maybe it's someone who's already dead and gone, but just imagine who would be the the least likely, the one person that you'd have no compassion for, no desire to see God change their life and change their heart. Chances are, very bitterness has got a grip on you. In fact, I would say that's the reason why you don't want to see them walk through the door. This guy right here, very bitterness. That's the reason that one person just came to your mind that you may not have thought about for a few years. You may not have seen in 20 years. Very bitterness right there. Bitterness, unforgiveness keeps us in bondage. And so we want to talk today, we want to look at what the Bible has to say, some of what the Bible has to say. It's a huge, huge topic throughout Scripture bitterness versus forgiveness. So if you have your Valley app, I want to invite you to go ahead and open it up. We're going to be looking at some key scriptures uh, about bitterness, about forgiveness that I think you're probably going to want to look back on in the future because they're pretty mind-blowing when you really understand what's being said. We've been looking at this whole series, Slaying Giants, through kind of the framework of Numbers chapter 13. I won't take the time to tell that whole story and look at all those verses again that we have the first two weeks, but it's when, when God has led the people 
people of Israel by Moses' hand out of Egypt, uh, and they're in the wilderness. They're about to cross over into the promised land. Uh, Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land, the land that God has given to them, uh, that promised to Abraham and his descendants. And uh, the 12 spies came out back. Ten of them came back with a bad report. They said it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but you know what? They're giants in the lands, the, the descendants of Anak that were giants. And we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes and grasshoppers in their eyes as well. And only two had a good report. Only two, Joshua and Caleb. And in fact, God was displeased with all of Israel. And only those two men from that entire generation, Joshua and Caleb, went into the promised land. Only those two. And it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of do we look at the problems like the spies did, or do we look at the promises that God has, that God has made for you and for me? Is it, is it through fear, the eyes of fear, or through the eyes of faith, as we talked about in week number one? And for the purpose of, of this message uh, and this giant, Barry Bitterness, I think it's really, we need to realize every one of us has a choice. And that choice is, do we magnify the hurt or do we magnify the healer? Do, do we put our focus and magnify, that's what worship is, we magnify God, is that we forget about the things that are bothering us, the troubles, or the crisis, the tragedy, all those things, and we magnify, we focus. When we focus on something, it gets bigger. And so we choose to magnify either the hurt or the healer, bitterness or forgiveness. And so we're going to follow the same outline that we did last week, but obviously with different points and uh, and different scripture that we're going to look at. The first thing, if we're going to slay the giant is we have to see him. We've got to see Barry Bitterness for who who he really is. And I know sometimes we wouldn't say, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not really bitter, I'm just not real fond of that person, I just don't care to see him anymore, you know, something like that. Uh, you know, uh, let's start with a verse. First John chapter 4, uh, verse 20, the Bible says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar, for if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? It's like we're, we're lying if we say, you know, we love God, but I hate my brother. Now, here's the thing. I had the, the tech guys highlight that hates because that word is very interesting. We say, well, I don't hate anybody, but, but that word hate is a little misleading, the translation of that. The, the Greek word there is misieo, and, and what it literally means is to dislike strongly. It, it means to, uh, to just dislike strongly. It doesn't mean like, I wish you were dead. What it literally means also is, is to kill in the heart. I refuse to have any affection, compassion, sympathy. I cut them off. That's that word hate right there. If anyone says they love God, but they strongly dislike a fellow Christian, cut off relationally a fellow brother or sister in Christ, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? We've got to see this giant for really the bitterness, very bitterness, how subtle he really is. See, when it comes to offenses, you know, many of us have a, what's really called the RBF, resting bitter face. It, like if we ever smiled, our face would crack. It looks like we we're baptized in pickle juice or something like that. RBF. 
I, I, I love the quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said, at the age of 30, a man is responsible for his own face. In other words, you know, you're growing up, it's what your mom and dad gave you. But by the time it's 30, it's what's happened to you, what you've allowed in your heart, it shows on your face. It shows on your face. And so Christians, followers of Jesus Christ who justify, justify holding bitterness in their lives, the scripture's pretty clear, don't really know God. You could teach Sunday school, be in church for 20 years, but if you feel justified in holding unforgiveness in your heart, you've never really experienced Jesus Christ in your life. If someone says, I love God, but strongly dislikes, hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? You know, and and we look around our culture, our world today, it's full of bitterness, isn't it? But the reality is I'm more concerned about my own bitterness than somebody else's, than the culture around us. Because you and I can't do anything about the bitterness around us. But one day, every single one of us is going to stand before God and we have to give an account, not for the bitterness around us, for the bitterness inside of us. For the bitterness inside of us. And so my prayer is that we would see, bury bitterness in our own hearts to whatever degree we've given him place. And we would deal with bury bitterness the way that God wants you and me to. Bitterness is part of the family of forgiveness. Uh, bitter people, uh, let me put it this way, uh, win an argument but lose the relationship. Bitter people are more concerned about making a point than making a difference. It's bitter people, unforgiving people. I remember when I was a little boy, you know, I'd ride my bike and kind of skid out and gravel on the driveway and down the road and go, and it just gravel would be all in my elbows, my knees. I wore those Sears Tough Skins, you know, with the patch underneath. Uh, still tore right through those and, and all that. And, and I can remember that my mother, you know, had come in and she'd like, let me, let me clean that out. Sometimes it was dad. Let me clean that out for you, the gravel and all. And it would hurt. And then after they cleaned it out, you know what they'd do? It was like old school. They would get a little cotton ball, pour rubbing alcohol on it, and just wipe it all over that scrape and that cut. And, and I remember my mom and my dad used to say, this is going to hurt for a little while, but this is what you need in order for it to heal. And so even this message about bitterness and forgiveness, it's going to hurt for a little while. But this is what it needs. This is what you need. This is what I need in order for it to really, really heal. We have to choose. Are we going to magnify the hurt or are we going to magnify the healer? And so we've got to see bitterness for who it really is, for for how he's got control in our lives. Now, how are we going to slay bitterness? How are we going to slay bury bitterness? Well, Jesus actually addressed this with his disciples. And before we look at it, let me just kind of paint the, the background, the picture of uh, Jesus' 12 disciples. Because sometimes, you know, we, we hear about these guys, uh, you know, later on in the book of Acts and, and through church history. And it's St. It's Peter and St. John and St. James. Uh, but we forget, like, who they really were as they're following Jesus Christ. Because, you, you know... People have always been offended. 
In fact, like it's a national pastime now in the United States. You know, you wake up, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. Oop, let me find something to get offended with. It's just like what people do. They just spend their time. I'm offended by that. I'm offended by this. I'm offended by that. And, and, and Jesus talked about offenses. Jesus talked about how to deal with them. And he taught his disciples. And he addressed these issues to his followers, his 12 disciples. And, and it's pretty interesting what their background was. Uh, just follow this for a minute as I explain. Uh, first of all, they had sibling rivalry. James and John were brothers. Now, how many of you know, <laughs> nobody hurt you like your family hurts you. They had an incredible sibling, sibling rivalry uh, where, where at one point mama of James and John uh, actually comes and says, hey, can you make sure one of my boys sits on your right hand and your left hand? And they're arguing and fighting over it. Sibling rivalry. Maybe your, your siblings hurt you deeply. Maybe they're the one that you really couldn't care less if they come to Christ or not. Sibling rivalry. Jesus had it right in the 12 disciples. And then what about business partnerships? Do you know Jesus, there were business partnerships within the 12 disciples? Uh, a, a few of them were actually fishermen, and they would go out fishing together, and they'd have to split whatever it was, uh, the catch for the day in the nets. So there's business partnerships. I, I know so many Christians have been in partnerships, and they've gotten bitter because of the partnership of something that their partner did in business, and they're still carrying that, and very bitterness has got them all shackled and chained today as a result of it. Jesus had that in the 12 disciples, business partnerships. What about opposing political opinions? Jesus even had that within the 12 disciples. Matthew, for instance, the apostle Matthew, he was a progressive, uh, liberal, cutting-edge Roman, uh, Roman sympathizer. He was a tax collector. And so even though he was Jewish, he was in support of the oppressive, tyrannical Roman Empire. And he would be considered politically, at that time, a liberal. And at the same time, so you have liberal Matthew, the tax collector, which, by the way, we're going to read the story in just a minute, and it's from Matthew who wrote it. Matthew's, the, the gospel of Matthew is written by this politically at the time, 2,000 years ago, progressive, liberal, cutting-edge Roman sympathizer who actually collected tax. He was an IRS man. He was a G-man, a government man, collecting taxes from the poor and the oppressed in the Roman Empire in Israel. Then you had Simon. Simon was a conservative at the time politically, who believed that all the Old Testament scripture, all the promises that God made to Israel were, were going to come about, and that Israel was destined to rule and reign over Jerusalem, not the Roman Empire, and no one else should or could or, or really uh, has a valid um, uh, reason to be ruling over Israel and Jerusalem, especially the Roman Empire. Simon was, a, was with a group called the Zealots, and the Zealots were willing to commit violence. If, if you were in the marketplace, the Zealots were known for having a knife underneath their robes. If you were in the marketplace and they saw that you were a liberal political sympathizer of Rome, they would shank you right in the marketplace. These are two guys in Jesus' 12. Plenty of room for offenses. Plenty of room for bitterness. And it's into this that we drop in on this story when Peter asks Jesus a question about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18 verse 21 says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? 
up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Not, not seven times, but 70, some translations say 70 times seven. And the whole idea there is not 490 times, and at 491 it's okay, hold on to bitterness. Seven is a number of perfection in the scripture. And, and, and Jesus is trying to teach Peter an answer to his question about what real forgiveness is about and how God, how important it is. And so he says, not just seven times, 77 times. And then he goes into a story, a parable to illustrate this. Let's look at what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, this is the way God's kingdom is. And, and Jesus is going to contrast God's kingdom to the world, the world system, humanity. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began uh, the settlement Sorry, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now think about this, 10,000 bags of gold. This is more, he owed him 10,000 bags of gold. This is more than any human being could ever repay in a lifetime. This is like 10,000 gajillion dollars or bazillion gajillion dollars. It's, it's like there's no way this debt could ever be paid. I don't know if he was a gambler. I don't know what he was. You know, uh, it, if he went to Vegas and he lost it all, whatever. But, but he owed 10,000 bags of gold and was brought to the master. It goes on and says, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. This was a common practice 2,000 years ago. If you had a debt, it affected not only you, it affected your spouse and your children, and they could be sold into slavery to help pay off that debt. And so that's what's happening here. It goes on and says, At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. The the servant falls down, he says, be merciful, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master not only said, I'm going to be patient with you, what did he do? He canceled the debt and he let him go. Incredible mercy. Jesus continues to speak. But when that servant, whose debt was canceled, that there's no way he and his family could ever pay in their lifetimes, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. That's all just 100 silver coins. Pennies compared to what he owed. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded goes on and says his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him be patient with me and I will pay it back exactly what that servant has said to his master and now this is one servant to another that owns him, owes him just some silver coins but he refused the one who was forgiven his debt was canceled refused instead he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt Jesus continues to tell the story. Then the master called the servant. The master heard about what the unforgiving servant did to his other servant. And he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Watch this now. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? 
You received mercy from me, the master said to the servant. Shouldn't you have given mercy to your fellow servant who owed you a debt? Jesus continues to speak. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Some translations of English, I like how it says, it says, turn him over to the tormentors. Unforgiveness is torment in the heart and soul. Torment. Until he should pay back all he owes. He said, now you're going to pay it all. You and your family. Watch what Jesus says here. Don't miss this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus says, this is how, this, I'm talking about your heavenly Father who's forgiven you, who's had mercy on you. This is how my heavenly Father will deal with each and every one of you if you don't forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Three things I think that are important in this parable. First of all, Peter comes and, and, and he asks this question, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Jesus gives a whole new measurement. A whole new measurement of forgiveness. In fact, it's kind of like this, look at this yardstick here. Uh, it was interesting at the time uh, of the scripture when, Jesus, uh, when Peter asked Jesus this question, uh, the, the religious leaders in Judaism would teach it was very noble to forgive someone three times. So like right there, three times. That, that much, that's really noble. But after three times, if someone sins against you, ah, they're not worth it. You know, you, you've really done a fantastic job. You can be bitter. And so when Peter comes to Jesus, he says, okay, with this understanding, he's thinking, okay, the, the, the rabbis teach three times I should forgive. He goes, you know what? I'm going to double it to six and add one for good measure. Seven times. Seven times. So he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Like he thought Jesus was just going to be like, wow, Peter, you are so impressive. Oh, man, you are such a, a very, you're a wonderful spiritual person, a religious person. But Jesus just, just flips the whole thing, gives him a new measurement. He says, not seven times, 77 times or 70 times seven. And like I said before, he's not saying 490 times. You know, you know if, if this went all the way out to 490, at 491, you can be bitter and all. Jesus is literally given a new measurement is what he's doing. Jesus is literally saying, there is no measurement for forgiveness. You forgive every time. You forgive every time. That's what this whole story is about. There is never a justifiable reason for a follower of Christ to hold on to bitterness and resentment. There's, there's no justification for it whatsoever. And Jesus just snaps the measurement. He, he just snaps the measuring stick. Because we've been forgiven of everything. Of everything. You and I have. We're, when, when we hold on to, well, I strongly dislike that person, we are that unforgiving servant who's been forgiven more than we could ever repay, and we're choking the other servant out 
for a few silver coins. See, in Psalm 103, I, I love this. It's a beautiful psalm. I encourage you to just read it on your own, the whole thing, but just a couple parts of it. Psalm 103, it, it tells us, God forgives all my sins. All my sins. And he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. There's no distance. There's no measurement any longer. That's what God did through Jesus Christ. The antidote to bitterness is forgiveness. It's the only antidote. So, So how many times, maybe you're asking right now, okay, how many times should I forgive someone who hurts me? Jesus would say, Every time. Every time. There's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. It doesn't mean you just just let somebody abuse you. Of course not. You remove yourself from that situation. We've talked about that in our hashtag MeToo series. But there is no justification for holding on to bitterness and resentment. That's what Jesus teaches in this parable. So he gives a new measurement. Here's the second thing that Jesus gives. He says there's a new kind of kingdom. He starts off by saying the kingdom of heaven is like. Don't act like the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is sin, it's use, it's abuse, it's bitter, it's resentful, it's anger, it's fear. The kingdom of heaven is like. And none of this as we talk about forgiveness is to say that, that what you've experienced or what I experienced, that it's not real pain. It's real. It's real pain. It's real hurt. But God gives you and me real power to forgive just like God forgave us. That we're supposed to be in the kingdom of God and following the example of Jesus Christ who hung on the cross after being beaten and spat upon, and his beard pulled out, and a a crown of thorns thrust on his head, and nailed to the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. See, here's the thing. We're in a new kingdom. So don't let sin against you produce sin in you. I know it hurt. I know it's painful. I know those memories may still haunt you. But don't let sin that was committed against you produce sin in you. And bitterness and unforgiveness is sin. Don't let sin against you produce sin in you. Jesus gives a new measurement in this parable. Jesus gives sight, shows us a new kingdom. And the third thing I think is so important in this parable is this. He gives a new warning. He gives it a new warning. Remember, I just, just read it a minute ago there in Matthew, where he says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. He'll turn you over to the tormentors. Unforgiveness, bitterness is torment in this life. That we choose to be tormented because we choose to hang on to bury bitterness. In fact, this isn't the only place uh, that Jesus said something like this. That's in Matthew 18 that we looked at the parable. Look at what Jesus said also, Matthew chapter six, verse 15. Jesus said, but if you don't forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. 
See, I just don't understand how Christians justify hanging on to bitterness and resentment if they've really read the Word of God, if they really know who Jesus is, if they really know what Jesus has done for you and He's done for me. There's no justification. A new warning. And Jesus warns His followers, you have to, you must forgive. The human being was not created to carry bitterness and unforgiveness. You weren't created to carry that hurt, to carry that bitterness, to carry that unforgiveness. And that's why Jesus says, let it go. Forgive. Not because someone deserves it, but because God, your heavenly Father, has forgiven you. God, the heavenly Father, has forgiven me. That's how we slay very bitterness, is through forgiving. Following Jesus' instructions about a new measurement, there is no measurement. He broke it. A new kingdom, the kingdom of God. We follow Jesus' example and a new warning. Here's the third thing. How are we going to stay free? How are you and I going to stay free? We see the giant. We slay the giant. But here's the thing. We need to stay free. Because you know what? If we drop our guard, very bitterness wants to come right back in and put the chains back on you and put the chains right back on me. The giant may be dead, but watch this now. He's still deadly. He's still deadly. I've heard it put this way before. Holding on to unforgiveness is like giving a thief your address and the key to your front door. Holding on to unforgiveness is like giving a thief, here's my address and here's the key to my house. And by the way, I'm going to be gone for a week on vacation. He's just going to walk in and tear it apart. That's what holding on to unforgiveness is really like. See, our ability to forgive is not based on our feelings. It's based on our choice. It has nothing to do with emotion. It has everything to do with a decision decision. That's why we have to choose. Are we going to magnify? Remember how we started off? Are we going to magnify the hurt? Are we going to magnify the healer? The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Our choice to forgive is proof that we really actually know Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm I'm not going to stand up here and let's compare scars, but I'll tell you, 28 years of being a pastor, I got a truckload of them. And, and I have, I've been hurt and, and lied to, lied about, betrayed. Betrayal is always someone close to you. Betrayed. Some people ask, man, 28 years, how, how do you do that for so long? Here's the thing. By growing a thick skin and keeping a tender heart. What, what would it look like if we as Christians grew a thick skin but kept a tender heart. That's what Jesus wants you and I to have. Thick skin, tender heart. And I've seen God do miracles in relationship, my own relationships, but it all hinged on if I would forgive or not. Choosing to forgive, even when I didn't feel like forgiving. Remember, we started with John, 1 John 4.20. If someone says they love God, but has strong dislike, hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar, for they don't love, if we don't love people who we can see, 
How do we love God who we can't? Two things are important to remember. Life is short and God is big. Life is short and God is big. You know what I've just found? It's just kind of crazy. Through the years, you just, just live a little bit longer, you know. And, and those people that hurt you, that is, I've seen this happen more times than I can even count in my life, other people's lives. Those that hurt, you just let some time go by. And you know what? They end up needing you. I, I found myself in a position uh, to, to really help someone out and a family out that really hurt me deeply or I could just squash them. And the choice comes. What do you choose? Do you choose bitterness or do you choose forgiveness? Do you magnify the hurt or do you magnify the healer? Life is short, but God is big. And I've just seen God just bring things full circle. Do what only he could do. That's why I love this in Ephesians chapter three. The Bible says, I pray that Christ Jesus and the church, she and me, the church, will forever bring praise to God. How's it gonna happen? His power at work in us to forgive. His power at work in us, for the sake of what we're talking about today, to forgive, can do far more than we dare ask or imagine, amen. That, that he can actually bring Painful, hurtful, heartbreaking relationships around full circle if we choose to follow in Jesus' footsteps and forgive and not hang on to bitterness. His power at work in us. God gives me the power. God gives you the power to forgive those who hurt. Doesn't mean like it didn't happen. It doesn't mean like, you know, uh, there's not a time for restoration and reconciliation. Those are two other things that happen afterwards. It's that I'm not going to allow bitterness inside of me. I'm not going to do it. So here's what I want to, here's what I want to do. This is how I, I want to close this message right now. Everyone, you see this card? It's got very bitterness on it. There's a pen attached to it. I want to just give it a moment, about five minutes we're going to take. And I just want us to do a little business with God. Just take some time and really that person, over the last 30 minutes, as I've been talking about this, that keeps coming to your mind, even the, the sting, it might have been 10 years ago, could have been 20, could have been 50 years ago, could have been yesterday. Just you can't get out of your mind? That's the Holy Spirit. And God's saying it's time to let it go. Lay it down. And I want you just to write that person's name on this card. Just write that person's name on the card. And, and we're going to spend about five minutes. We're going to play a song. And, and uh, just spend time in prayer. And then your campus pastor is going to give you uh, the next step that, that we just want to encourage everyone to take in terms of the name that you wrote on this card. We're going to give you an opportunity before you leave today to lay it down. To lay down that hurt. To lay down that offense. To lay down that bitterness. To be free. To walk out free. Because whom the sun sets free 
is free indeed. So let's just spend five minutes now in contemplation and, and you just write a name or as many names as the Holy Spirit brings to your mind right now. And let's just be in an attitude of prayer because God is going to do some business right now. And he wants to set you free. And he wants to set me free. So let's just take a time of reflection right now. But your heart was tired Feared the worst and felt the fire Lay it all down Lay it all down Filled with all those anxious thoughts And your doubts became your God Lay it all down Lay it all down At the feet
campus pastor is going to come in just a minute and give you directions on how practically you can just lay this down before you leave today. Lay down that name. Choose to forgive because God forgave you. Right now, I just want to close in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you know we weren't built for bitterness. That we can't contain bitterness and unforgiveness without it hurting us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Father, we ask for your grace now, Lord, to make the decision, maybe even if it doesn't feel like it, to forgive those that hurt us, those that said those words about us those that took advantage of us, those that used us, those that abused us, those that overlooked us, those that neglected us. Lord, we ask for your grace now to forgive our exes, forgive our bosses, forgive our employers and employees, forgive our neighbors, Forgive our fathers, forgive our mothers, forgive our siblings. Lord, to forgive because you forgave us so much. We choose to forgive today. Thank you for your mercy for us. Thank you, Lord. And right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, 
Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed before to really receive God's forgiveness for the first time. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You and I will never be good enough to earn or deserve God's forgiveness. That's why Jesus came. He paid for it through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. If you've never prayed that prayer before to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to receive forgiveness from your sins, I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can just open your heart in this moment. Open your heart, put your faith in Christ, and trust him for the first time. Are you ready? Just pray this prayer after me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for living for me, for dying for me, for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I invite you now to be my Lord. Guide me, lead me, direct me from this day forward. And I lay down bitterness and I lay down unforgiveness and I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.